0: Welcome. You're listening to the Camino Church Podcast. This is Lessons with Pastor Steve Sellers. Twice a week, our host will dive deep into Scripture, giving you a convenient way to stay in the Word of God. Whether you're driving to work in the morning or cooking dinner at night, we're glad you're here and we're glad you're listening. Let's get started. Well, welcome back, everybody. Thanks for joining us again for another Church Lessons podcast as we journey through uh, the Word of God and specifically through the first epistle of John. We have made it through a few chapters. We're picking up on chapter four today. We're going to cover the breadth of it, trying to hit some of the highlights that are happening there. Um, If you recall, and I'm sure you do, when we finished up chapter three, John is talking about love, Uh, and he's kind of been talking about these tests that his audience needs to do when they hear the word of God or when they hear people try to explain who God is uh, and who Jesus is. And and he kind of lands on three types of tests. Uh, One is the test of of behavior, if you will. It's obedience. Obedience to the word of God. We saw that in chapter 2, at the beginning of chapter 2. He also has a test of relationship, if you will, a test of love. Uh, we saw that in chapter 2, and we just read through that in chapter 3, and then this third one is a doctrinal test. It's a test of belief. So in chapter 2, we get all three of those tests. We get the obedience, we get the love, we get we get the belief. In chapter 3, he focuses in on obedience and love, and in chapter 4, he's going to talk about belief and love. So he's given us an overview, uh, and then he kind of continues with love throughout both of them, but he has to bring in the other two aspects again. So when we pick up today uh, in chapter 4, we're going to be talking about testing the spirits again. Uh, And it's a little bit of a break from uh, the love discussion, but we'll come back to that because John has not left that. That's extremely important for him. But instead, we're going to talk about testing the spirits again, and this is going to be a doctrinal test. So let's jump right into chapter 4, starting right there in verse 1. He says, Beloved, Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. So immediately John gives us the theme of what he is writing about next. Uh, And he says, don't believe every spirit. And you may think, what does that mean? What is this testing of a spirit? How do you do that? Well, some of this is word usage. Uh, When John is talking about testing every spirit he's actually talking about testing every prophet because everyone who claims to be a prophet must be getting their prophecy from a spirit. And so he is in essence saying you need to look at where their prophecy is coming from to determine if they are from God or not. And the reason that is is because so many of these prophecies are coming from the world, uh, uh, from evil, if you will, from sources that are not from God. But he wants him to focus in on, is it coming from God? Uh, worldly prophets uh, are not going to be speaking from God. They may sound like they're speaking for God, uh, from God. And let's remember that the, that the specific audience John is talking about used to be part of this community of believers, and they seceded. They left them. Remember, they're secessionists, and so John is being real clear here. I think that they're going to sound just like they're coming from God, but you have to really pay attention to what they're saying, and in that, you'll know whether they are coming from the Spirit of Truth, which would be from God, or the Spirit of error. You know, this is very true today. You know, we're we're. 2,000 years plus removed from this message, and there is truth in that for us today because there are a lot of uh, proclaimers in our world who say they're speaking from God, and they're trying to teach uh, and lead us in certain directions, and we need to test the spirits. Uh, I have a a kind of a personal... um, Frustration with televangelists who use the word of God to line their pockets. Uh, This prosperity gospel concept. Uh, The scripture does not support prosperity gospel. Anytime the scripture talks about being blessed, it is almost always in relation to being blessed so that we can build the kingdom, not for our own personal gain. Uh, And there's just one gentleman that I know that I see at times on TV and Uh, He always has a special word from God, and if you want that special word or special blessing, then uh, you've got to plant a seed, uh, and that is such a violation of what Scripture says. Does it sound like Scripture? Yes, it does, and he uses Scripture to back up what he is saying, but if you are a student of the Word, as we are here in the Church Lessons podcast, if you are a student of the Word, then you know that he is misrepresenting, he is misinterpreting Uh, the scriptural message, Uh, and and that is what John's audience is dealing with. It's not that what they're hearing sounds so distant from this new Christian faith. It sounds very similar, and John is saying, you've got to pay attention. You've got to test the spirits, and again, it's because you have all of these false prophets, uh, the antichrists, as John has said earlier, who have come out of uh, them, the believers, and they've gone into the world, and so their message is one of the world. It is not one of faith. Then in verse 2, it says, By this you know the Spirit of God. So God, uh, John is not only telling us to pay attention to, to the testing, but he's also given us what the test should be. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit, every person, if you will, every prophet, that confesses that Jesus has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that it is coming, and now it is already in the world. Let's take a look at that verses 2 and 3 there, because John throws in a couple of things that are helpful as we test the spirits. First of all, in verse 2, he says that Jesus Christ has come. And the verb that is used for the Greek word here, to come, is in the perfect tense. And what that means is is that he's not just saying that Jesus Christ um, has arrived or that Jesus Christ as a presence uh, has arrived. He's really stating something a little bit deeper. He is saying that the status of things have changed. And in this case, uh, we're not just talking about a historical event that a man named Jesus has, has been birthed and lives and is doing ministry on the earth. We're talking about a change in the gospel message itself. Jesus is the fulfillment of the gospel, the good news of God uh, made manifest. And John is saying that here. He, he, he is pointing to the fact that when Jesus arrives, the whole understanding of the gospel and the fulfillment of the gospel has changed. And that sounds like a lot that's going on there, but remember, these folks are trying to learn their faith, and John is using his words very well. His, his wording is dense, and we have to kind of unpack it a little bit. Um, and, and it's important that John says this because, if you recall, the secessionists, those who were teaching the false prophecies, are denying that this Jesus is fully human and fully divine. It cannot be in, in Gnostic belief, especially uh, from a specific Gnostic uh, teacher called Serenthus. There's no way that, that uh, Jesus in the flesh and Jesus in the spirit can be fully one person because the flesh and the spirit cannot coexist. But John is saying that that's absolutely what has happened, and it totally changes the understanding of, of what they have been teaching. So Jesus has come in the flesh, is from God, and that every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. So that's real simple. If no one's confessing that Jesus is the Son of God, fully human, fully divine, that is clearly a false doctrine, and that's what we're talking about here, testing the doctrines of those spirits that are leading them. And it says that now it is already in the world, these antichrists at the end of verse three that he referenced earlier. You've heard they were coming, they're already here, and John again defines them as those who have left this particular congregation. In verse 5, they are from the world, that is where their spirit originates from, and their lessons and their prophecies come from, not from God. They are from the world, therefore what they say is from the world, and the world listens to them, very important that The world does not have spiritual eyes to see the message and read it well. They don't have spiritual ears to hear it well. And of course, most of the messages of the day, the proclamations, the prophecies is not written down. It is done verbally. It's an oral audience. It's an oral proclamation. And John is saying that they will not hear it because they don't have spiritual ears, and he'll tell us in in a little bit that that's going to be gifted by the Holy Spirit. We as believers receive the Holy Spirit, and one of the works of the Holy Spirit is to help us to interpret and understand Scripture. And John talked about that previously when he said that the Spirit does that and we don't need someone else to interpret it it for us. Verse 6, we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. And whoever is not from God does not listen to us. He's restating that same thought in the reverse, and then it winds up at the end of verse 6. From this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And this is, is that the spirit of truth will witness to the truth that is Jesus Christ. The spirit of error does not witness Jesus Christ, at least in the appropriate manner. And verse 6 kind of bookends this first section. It, it, it uh, is an envelope to verse 1. Uh, and so we come to the end of this section, this little interlude on testing the spirits. And now, starting in verse 7, John goes right back into this love theme, which is so important for John's listeners. Clearly, uh, they have a real ethical issue with uh, teachings that say that you can either hate or not care for or somehow not feel the community of other people. And John, I mean, he's given a lot of attention, right, to this. Uh, and we've read it over and over, and we're not done. We're going to get it more in verse 4, uh, and we'll see it also in verse, I mean, uh, chapter 4. We'll also see it in chapter 5. Uh, so clearly this is a big issue for John, and John is wrestling with it, trying to teach it to them. So let's dive into this uh, in, uh, in verse 7, where it says, Beloved, let us love one another. Because love is from God, everyone who is born of God, everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. So we've got a little summary statement here that we are to love one another. Uh, You're going to find that love one another phrase three times in this section, verse seven here, verse 11, and verse 12, God In this section, as we read through it, you're going to hear that God has revealed himself to us in Jesus Christ, who is sacrificial love. That is the basis for what God is doing for us, sacrificial love. Not that God just loves, but the essence of God is love. And really, love as an emotion, love as, as something that we experience, originates from God. True love originates from God. We're going to see that in the later verses of of 7 and 8, that God loved us through Christ. We'll catch that around verse 10. God loves through us. We're going to become the extension of that love uh, and that love is perfected in us. And you'll you'll see that as we read through verses 7 through 16 here. He has created this movement uh, about love. So here's what's important, I think, in what John is trying to teach us. A Christian who does not love but professes to know God and to be born of God is like claiming that you are intimate with someone who you do not speak the same language. Now, at Camino Church, we are a bilingual church, primarily Latino, but we have other cultures involved as well. I do not speak a lot of Spanish at all. And one of the more difficult things at times for me to do is develop deep and abiding relationships with people who don't speak a lot of English. It's interesting how language is so important to developing our relationships with one another. Without language, there's nothing that allows us to communicate, to draw in closer. And I think that's part of what John is saying here is that if you profess that you have this intimate relationship with God, and yet you don't speak the language of God, which is absolute love for another person, another brother and sister in Christ, as well as, the, as uh, someone who is considered an alien to the faith, then you're not talking the same language of God. And if you're not talking the same language as God, how can you have an intimate relationship with Him, right? So, I think this is a very important point for for John's purposes is listen to the language of the people. And today, think about this. Think about it. How many people do you know that profess God but speak a language of hate, derision, anger at others that they don't understand or they don't agree with? That's not the language of God, especially in the New Testament. When you've got Jesus Christ who has fulfilled this gospel, you hear some of that in the Old Testament. I grant you that. But that's because that, their relationship with God is based on obedience. And when you have a relationship built on obedience, just like with a child, then there is punishment involved. That is the only way sometimes you could administer uh, obedience. But in the New Testament, it is not built on obedience. Obedience doesn't get us to faith. Obedience is an outgrowth of our faith. If we have a true faith, then fruit should pour forth from us, obedience and love and a good doctrine, just like John is talking about here. So if we are going to truly be believers and follow God, then love is a sign of that authentic Christian relationship. And you're going to get this in these verses, so let's kind of keep going through these. Uh, Verse 8, whoever does not have love, it, um, does not know God. For God is love. Not that God loves. God is love. The essence of God, as we mentioned, is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. So how did God express his love? By sending his son. And that way we could then live through the love of the son into the father, which allows us to participate Uh, in that eternal life and have that eternal hope. This is is a demonstration of the depth of God's love, that he sent his one and only son so that our sins, our sins, though wretched as we are, though undeserving as we are, can be wiped away, can be absolved so that we can have that relationship with God. That shows the depth of his love, and so if he's willing to go that far uh, to love us, then We use that then to show his love to others. Not not necessarily because we love them because of who they are or we feel an emotional attachment. That's not what John is saying. John is starting from the standpoint of God loved us. That's the foundation. And then he's going to build on that. So because of that, we've got to turn around and love those around us. Uh, Verse 10, and this is love. Not that we love God, hear that? That's just what we talked about. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. He made us at one with himself by sending his son. We have atonement, which draws us immediately into relationship with God, and because of that, we should have that kind of love for those around us. Verse 11, Beloved, since God loved us so much, he's going to hit us right on the head with a hammer here with this thing, so hold on. We also ought to love one another. Again, notice he doesn't say we ought to love other people because they're nice. We ought to love other people because we agree with him. We ought to love other people because they love us. That is not at all what John is saying. He breaks it down very simply and right to the point. Why do we love other people? Because God loved us. it's it's no more complicated than that. It's complicated to live out because there's some people that I struggle to like and so I think I struggle to love. There's some people that don't love me, don't like me for sure and don't love me. But when I realize that my love for others is not dependent on my emotional status with them and it is instead a reflection of of God's unconditional love for me, then I should be able to love anybody no matter what. I don't have to agree with them. I don't have to condone them. But I do have to love them. And I love them because that's what God gave to me. Very powerful, Very right to the point. Man, John, is he's hitting us now. He's hitting us hard. And he's going to keep going in verse 12. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another... God lives in us, and his love is perfected in us. So John is saying here that no one can see the face of God, but God shows up when we love other people. And he says it's perfected, and let we need to kind of listen to that word perfected. In the Greek, it does not mean that it is without flaw uh, like we use it. Like if I get a perfect score on something, I get you know, 100%. I don't miss it all. The Greek word that is used here that means perfection really means it is made complete, which means that it does exactly what God wants it to do. So the love of God does what, it, what he wants it to do when we love one another. Isn't that powerful? I like that a lot. That's why we love other people, As we're perfecting the love of God. We're completing it. We are demonstrating it exactly the way that God would want us to do. Verse 13, by this we know, and by this reflects on just what we were taught, that we love one another. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us his spirit. So one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is, is to help us abide in God. That mediator, the Holy Spirit, mediates our relationship and our prayers and our yearnings and things between us and God. That is a role of the Spirit that John is articulating here. And we have seen and do testify that the Father has sent His Son as the Savior of the world. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God and they abide in God. So we have known and believed the love that God has for us. So when we abide in God, truly draw close to God and spend time with him, then we're going to love. And we're going to love because God has abided in us and we have abided in him. And so we draw close and so the outpouring of that is love. So we don't have to force it, right? If we can't love people around us, that's probably an indication that we are not abiding in God as much as we should or with the depth that we should or consistently as we should. Instead, we clearly have pulled back from God. right? And what John is doing in these last few verses is he's breaking down this indwelling concept so that we know that love doesn't come from us. It comes from the indwelling of God, which is the Holy Spirit. Then he goes on in the rest of verse 16. God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. He's repeating this. This is a literary technique. He's repeating this lesson over and over. Love has been perfected among us in this. We already heard this once. We're hearing it again. That we may have boldness on the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. So when we stand before God to be judged, And we will all be judged in some form or fashion when we stand before God, believers and unbelievers. Everybody gets judged because God has to show us that it is not by works that we're saved. It's only through Jesus Christ. But when we stand before him, if we have behaved, if we have been the image of God, then we've got boldness when we stand before God because we don't have anything to worry about. We have lived in an intimate relationship with God We have done that because of our profession of faith in Jesus Christ. And because of all of that, we have no worries when we stand at judgment. We know that Jesus will lean over to God and he will tell him, this one is in my Lamb's book of life. That's how we will get our entrance into eternity. Verse 18, there is no fear in love. If we love God and God loves us, there is no fear in that relationship. But perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. Remember we how I said that um, in the Old Testament there was punishment because it was based on it was a relationship based on obedience. Right? Well, that's kind of what John is saying here is you know, it, you do have fear if your relationship involves punishment. But we don't have it because when when love is perfected in us then no punishment occurs, so we have no fear. Verse 19, we love because he first loved us. Very short verse, but this is an impactful statement. This is, this is definitely kind of a, a flag post that John is bearing in the ground as a central message about uh, who God is and what we are supposed to do. We love because, he first loved us. No other reason. Absolutely none. And he loved us even before we, we could or did love him, right? So because he loves us, we're going to love everybody. And this fundamentally changes things. This one little verse, verse 19, fundamentally changes how we view uh, life and how we view our faith. So, for example, church... Uh, Becomes a community of celebration. It's a place where we don't uh, judge people. Uh, We don't try to control them and whip them into shape, if you will, but we teach and live the good news and we love each other without ceasing. Prayer becomes not so much asking God for the laundry list of things that we want, but thanking God for all the blessings and love that we have but don't deserve, and then requesting that we show that to those around us. Evangelism uh, changes from being something where we're offering people this proposition of, do you want to burn or not burn? you want to turn from burning, or do you want to go ahead and burn? And instead, evangelism is an invitation for people to come to the greatest party that will ever be had, the marriage supper of the Lamb and they can live in that unbelievable love of God now and through eternity. Personal relationships are not so much this uh, competitive uh, sparring to see who can be the most powerful and successful, but relationships are built on grace because we have received grace from God. See, that one verse, verse 19, as short as it is, absolutely changes everything for us as believers and tells us how we are to live together and with those that we need to draw closer to our faith. In verse 20, those who say, I love God and hate their brothers or sisters, John's going to give us a specific example of what that means right here, are liars for those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. So if you can't love another believer, who may be different from you, and, and, and who may not act the way you do, um, but they're a believer. If you can't love them, then how can you love a God that is you can't touch, that you can't see with your eyes, right? You've got to love everybody else as a reflection of that love of God that you have. And then he ends up the chapter in verse 21. The commandment we have from him is this. Those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. So if you're going to love God, you have to love them too, right? So, so let's wrap this session up. We're going all the way through chapter four. We've said a lot. So let's kind of go back and let's kind of summarize something. God loved us first, right? Before we ever uttered a prayer, God loved us. Before we ever attended a worship service, God loved us. Before we ever read one word of Scripture, God loved us. Before we ever reached out to others in need to show them the love of God, God loved us. God loved us and then everything else. His love is primary, everything else flows out of it. You see, our love for God is not the engine that drives our faith. God's love for us drives the faith train and helps us with our life and our discipleship. It is the engine for our faith. So, finishing up chapter 4, we're going to hit chapter 5 next time. We hope you will come back. Chapter 5 is going to summarize all of the uh, first epistle of John. We're going to go through it, and then we've got more exciting things to come. So, hey, thanks for joining us. Remember to stay in the Word and keep this journey going. Thanks a lot. Thank you for tuning in to Lessons with Pastor Steve Sellers. Check back soon on all podcasting platforms and on YouTube for the next available episode. This series is produced by Riley Moncrief for Camino Church. To learn more about our church, like us on Facebook at Camino Church or visit us online at CaminoChurch.com. We'll see you next time.